0: Designing Digital Literacy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Designing Digital Literacy with me, Tamara Vahani and Chris Winston-Longley. In this episode, we're going to be looking at digital literacy, What does it mean? How can we apply it? How broad is it? What are other nations, devolved nations within the United Kingdom doing to try to fulfil this need for digital literacy and education? Digital literacy is a massive phrase and it's something that we're trying to define in the lesson plans that we're providing. In this episode, Chris will explain a little bit more about digital literacy and our definition and how we see digital literacy in a wider context of society and especially as future jobs for children that are in school. Video games is a whole section of its own but like other mediums I think in education they're seen as distractions rather than enhancements of life and I think that's one of the reasons why we really wanted to talk about the designing of digital literacy the, the kind of the definition that we perceive digital literacy should be and because i think there's kind of disparate ideas of what digital literacy should be and how it should be implemented if at all but the idea of this podcast really is is to kind of give you an insight of how we build our lesson plans our learning materials checkpoint learning is one of the subsidiaries of the brand uh, all of the materials are available on checkpointkids.com for free they're fully resourced fully verified fully quality assured learning materials that we create for education otherwise and for schools so you can plug and play effectively I mean if you want to use a technological phrase or a metaphor and they're fully resourced and they're written by Chris with his extensive knowledge I mean you've been an Ofsted outstanding teacher for a goodness knows how long so you kind of know when you've spent a lot of time studying the curriculum and as an English teacher that's one of the core subjects right there's a lot around English that that allows you to then kind of move into other subject matters things like being able to read properly read between the lines Um, those are skills that you get from English that then you apply to other subject matters but we're seeing a shift into the digital world and and not a lot of understanding about that how that applies really to education
1: isn't that right uh, that is right, yes. I think to go back to something you said a moment ago about digital literacy being difficult to define, uh, it's because it's always in context. It, it links to the digital technologies of the time. So digital literacy would have been how to write an email um, or how to send an email. There's the mechanics of actually clicking on the right things, knowing about CCing. There's all sorts of sort of using the technology. But then on top of that comes the ability to read into the subtexts of of what's going on. So if I bring the English analogy in, you can read of mice and men and you can read all the words and you can tell there's a story about two men living on a ranch, but there is a subtext going on about power and about the American dream and about relationships and all sorts of things, and that's what English teaches. So when kids say, I can already speak English, why am I learning it? We say, well, there's actually a whole depth of, of understanding here and learning that we can do that English is using and, and you will be enabled if we teach you to understand that. And that is what's happening with digital literacy in that we have all these technologies, but they have deeper meanings to them and consequences and all sorts of things. So I realized there was a a very big need to teach the subtext of uh, the digital technologies and things. And the one that we're focusing on, because there's lots of them, we're focusing on video games because they're very much like film, like animation, like text. They have huge amounts of English in. They're narrative driven most of the time. Um, we know from Lara Croft and the experience we had of her reinvention as a character that you know, we do have negative aspects of gaming. It's ridiculous to say there aren't, but there are also massive positives. And of course, Lara Croft has now become a, an icon for women. So the way we read games and the skills that games engender just in the playing of them that I don't think people are aware of uh, is what we're trying to do.
0: One of the things that you said that kind of sticks with me a little bit is this idea that as teachers are being trained, they're not trained in digital literacy, which I think is a really important point here. So when when the government turns around and says, we need to be doing digital literacy, but they don't really outline what digital literacy is. They keep it very vague. They focus on things like being safe online, which is really important, but being safe online requires you to understand the medium in which you're using. So Coming back to your point, and I I take it kind of on board because it's really important, you have to be able to read the context of the websites that you're on. You have to be able to the social media platforms you're on. In order to be able to be safe online, you have to be aware of how online is working. But you also have to be aware of how you fit into that online space. And one of the things that, that a lot of companies do, and that have been doing for a long time, is provide freemium services, something that most people would have heard of already, where you are the product. You don't pay for access to Facebook. You don't pay for access to Twitter. You don't pay for access to different websites now, but you are paying in your digital data. And it's things like that that we're talking about digital literacy. We're not talking about being able to pick up a control and play a game. It's inherent in everybody now. It doesn't really matter if you're over the age of, or if you're under the age of 40, 45, it's very, very likely that you are a gamer. You know how to use technology. You know how to use a control. You're very aware of different gaming platforms that are out there. But because you're aware of it, we then utilize that knowledge, that cultural capital, which is used quite a lot in in the teaching terminology, in order to impart knowledge. And that becomes our starting point for both digital literacy and for our lesson plans. And I think that's one of the things that is missing. What we've identified, which I think is really unique, is that how can we impart not just the attainment targets for the national curriculum within a lesson, but how can we also impart the knowledge of kind of life skills, the wider skills that you need, those PSHE skills, you know, those those things that we want children to learn, to make them more resilient, to make them more courageous, to make them able to fail and more resilient to be able to come back and try again. And that's something that you do really, really well with the lesson plans. And I I kind of want to explore that a little bit today. I want to kind of outline how we do them and and what we do and what we're trying to achieve, what we believe digital literacy should be.
1: Yes, I think the the thing for us is that the outcome of the lesson is not a tick box exercise. It's not a, oh, I've, I've now got that attainment target. We do focus on the attainment targets of a particular subjects. So um, Ofsted talk a lot about substantive and disciplinary knowledge in their views and in the programmes of study. And substantive knowledge is the factual knowledge, if you like, the information. Disciplinary knowledge is how, say, a historian thinks. How do they put together these historical stories about, you know, if we say King Richard was like this? or well, how do we know he was like that? Where's the evidence? Where's the proof? They use sources. And then we talk about reliable and unreliable sources. And then Ofsted say, well, there aren't any. It depends how you're using the source for your historical investigation, et etc. So there's a whole way of thinking about being a historian, which is the discipline that's coming across. And that's sort of what we're doing with the gaming We've got the substantive knowledge of the subject. We've got the game itself, which is the thing that links the children to the learning and makes them interested. But then we're looking at more disciplinary knowledge, how to think. And it's not just thinking like a historian. We might do that in the history one, or thinking like a scientist when we were collecting data, for instance, in one of our lesson packs. We do do that, but we also focus on the intrapersonal skills, which are vital. People confuse them with interpersonal skills, and when you talked about PSHE a moment ago, uh, yes, the PSE Association has been tasked with writing the programme of study, bringing in personal education and, and sexual education for school, and of course the PSHE Association have been tasked with writing the programme of study, and in that they identify what they call uh, skills for life, and in there they just put collaboration, teamworking. teamwork. And that is the thing that everybody thinks has to be promoted. That, that, that you know, everybody talks, oh, yeah, we teach kids how to collaborate. And yes, of course, that is very, very important. But they're interpersonal skills, how you talk to each other, working in a group, et cetera. And most teachers have done that for years and years and years. But the intrapersonal skills are the ones that you mentioned before the resilience, the determination to do something. And most important of all of them, I think, risk taking and an acceptance of failure within the process. Now that one is understood, everybody outside of the government's <laughs> national curriculum understands that risk taking and failure is what life is actually about. Fear of failure stops us doing anything, it stops us moving out of our bubble. It's, and Most of us, as you, you may get this one, you might not, you might be much cooler than me, but I have spent my life being upset with myself for not dancing. That phrase that everyone used about dance like nobody's watching that I I actually feel that. I've been at weddings, I've been with my children and things. I will dance on my own with my kids in the front room, but put me in a, a social situation and I freeze and I cannot dance.
0: Yeah, I am much cooler but than <laughs> <I> that. <thought, laughs> <but yes, dear.
1: laughs> To the point where I actually went for dancing lessons and I learned to waltz, and I could waltz pretty well. Oh, wow. And that's why I love the waltz in the bedtime stories, but that's another
0: That's a whole other story. story.
1: But I learned to dance, so I thought, right, when I am somewhere, I can just, you know, waltz and impress everyone with that. Except for nobody plays waltz
0: music. So... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that fear of failure yeah. and yet I even know as an adult that I'm not judging anybody else on that dance floor and I'm not judging anyone for their dancing or whatever, I, I don't do that so why do I imagine people are judging me etc and I think the point of this is that the school system is based on judgment the entire outcome model that it's not about building up the skills within someone to succeed in any area of life it's Have you got a GCSE in history? Do you know the substantive knowledge we needed you to know? Can you express it like a historian? And maybe you can, maybe you can't, but if you can't, you have failed. And yet all the other skills you picked up while learning to do that, the interpersonal skills are ignored. And the point with gaming is that gaming actually does that. And I'd like to have just a little word about the negativity of gaming. People see it from, they just glance at a screen because if they're not doing it, if they're not actually engaged in it, then they're not going to understand it anyway. Even if they are engaged in it, as we've already said, there are levels of understanding anyway. So they're getting misinformation, if you like, and then they hear things in the media like, oh, you know, kids are more violent because of computer games." There is no evidence for this whatsoever, but it becomes this knowledge in the culture that games are bad. And yet one of the things you and I know is how Animal Crossing got people through the pandemic, lockdown, COVID. They sold millions of copies of that game because people could socialise and get together and chat. My son, when he's playing computer games, has his phone next to him and that's switched on. This is this use of digital technologies. He's talking on the phone. He's got a headphone on, which he keeps having to take off because of his phone. But he's talking to players in the game. And he's playing the game. So he's got a social thing. He's meeting kids he can't meet. We live in a rural location. His friends are 20 miles away, but he can talk to them while they're playing a game. They're chatting about the game. They're chatting about other things. They're listening to music. He's got his phone going. So he's doing all these things, which are all incredibly positive. And during lockdown, that kept him sane. So that's only one aspect of the positive nature of games. And if people can begin looking at our materials and see how we use video games, which we don't actually play in the lessons at all. It's like we don't show a film. You only look at excerpts of things and then show how they're working. That's what we do with the games. And as we begin to reveal these interpersonal skills, children realize they have them and that they have this cultural capital, not only a knowledge of digital technology, but they also have the risk-taking. I've said to my son, You just failed again. You just got shot again. And he goes, yeah. And I go, are you upset? And he goes, no, I'm just going to play again. The game resets, lets me do it. But I I know now I'm going to go left instead of right. So he's learning all the time and he sees failure as part of learning and developing his skills.
0: The idea that failing is a good thing is something that is not at all impressed in school or supported in school um, that's one of the biggest things that the designing digital literacy for us i think is really important it's the idea that you know what in order to be able to progress you have to fail that's that incredible quote that says a mistake is not a mistake if you make it a lesson if you learn from it
1: the system doesn't accept failure being observed in the class that often all those things they don't accept failure as part of the process but the teachers do i know teachers i was a teacher we are always telling children, take a risk, it doesn't matter. Just try and answer, put your hand up. I'm not saying teachers
0: don't. What I'm saying is the system and the system in which the teachers are working in don't allow teachers to let the children fail or become resilient as much as it's all about cramming knowledge and information, and that is the measure of failure and it comes back to your point of justification that justification of this is our learning and it's being justified by our examination process or whatever it is that that we do so but I think that justification is is also when we talk about digital literacy specifically it's a much wider issue because digital literacy isn't taught in schools and it isn't taught in life but it's acquired. Right? And the problem that you have is that digital literacy is now in the domain of the public because that idea of justification then carries on onto social media platforms, I think. So if you're a child, that you're looking for justification of your looks, your intelligence, your peers, everything else, that kind of confidence, the things that we don't build, those intrapersonal skills that we do not build and do not engage with and do not enhance in school become the problematic issues, I believe, in the future for children when they're out in the world, specifically in the digital world. When you're speaking face-to-face with someone, you can read, more often than not, unless you have, you know, autism or Asperger's or something, you can read people's emotions, you can read the room, you can see their responses, their tone of voice, all of that stuff is really, really obvious. When you see it, it's different. When you are online and writing an email, even in a text message... A text message can be completely and utterly misconstrued. But that justification then goes out to social media platforms. It becomes, look at me, I need followers, I'll give you a fake idea of what I am and how I'm living and my life is amazing and all of this kind of stuff. The amount of pictures that are available now that show YouTubers, Instagrammers, all these influences as they're called, with their makeup and then without the makeup and that complete contrast of what they look like because of the image that they put online these are all things that i think feed into the digital literacy argument the idea of digital literacy isn't just about being able to use the technology but it's understanding how the technology works how you fit in that space and what you're comfortable with giving up about yourself and who you are in that space and that doesn't come from education that comes from actual application and getting the children to experiences through those intrapersonal skills and that's one of the things that I think that we do quite well in our learning materials is that we put the child not just in the centre of the learning experience but we really think about what they're going to get out of it and actually everything kind of falls into place around that and I think that's one of the key things that We're not sitting here and talking about, well, digital literacy needs to be about safety online, it needs to be about Excel sheets, it needs to be... No, digital literacy is empowering you to understand the platforms and the technology in order for you to then engage with those platforms and technologies the way that you want to engage with, the way that you're comfortable with engaging with, and creating boundaries and limits for you to operate within yourself... This is the future. This is where the children are going to be. This is, we're already seeing the shift post-pandemic about working from home and that kind of digital space and being a lot more remote and all that kind of stuff. Well, if we are going to follow this down, which, by the way, nobody's talking about things like the environment. Nobody's talking about the impact that this is going to have, the positive impact that this will have on less commuting to work, less energy spent at work on keeping lights and heating and all that kind of stuff, uh, freeing up buildings for homelessness, you know, there's a whole host of other social elements that come as a result of it. But nobody's talking about this, this digital literacy being applied across the spectrum of society and allowing us not just to understand the technology and the platforms that we work in, but how much we want to give of ourselves. And I think that's the danger that children will be facing in the next 10, 15 years. So with that in mind then, Chris, how important are the lesson plans that we create. I mean, we're trying to define what digital literacy is. And there are lots of different ideas. So how important is it? What are we doing? Is it really that important? We know that they're good. We know that they work. We've seen them working in in classrooms. The engagement level of children is just 100% always engaged, always switched on. But will they make a difference?
1: I believe they'll make a difference. The trouble is that question then implies, like the government, well, how are you going to measure that progress?
0: I think that's the thing. It's a future measurement. You can't measure now for what's happening in the future. And I think that's one of the misunderstandings. This isn't about measurement. This is about preparation. Everybody's going to have a level of which they can take that information in. But if you impart that knowledge and if you give... The population, that knowledge, whether it's through education, through schools or, you know, higher education, whatever it is, then you've done as much as you can do to inform your population, your students, your whatever about the dangers so that they're at least prepared. At the moment, nobody's prepared for the future. Not that I can see. And I think that there's a lot of teachers and schools that don't even know what digital literacy is. Even though the government's saying we need to be doing digital literacy, people are running around going, well, what is it? And the government changes that goalpost all the time.
1: Well, they do it for adult literacy. They've got a literacy framework for adults, but it's things like, I can write an email I know how to fill in my bank details online. I mean, this is not, this is, i was mean, sorry to put it this way, but it's child's play. Yes, there's a spectrum of society that needs basic digital literacy. What the government are missing out is this idea that the world is, we are in another industrial revolution, I mean, it's a technological digital one, which is going at such a rate of change. We know how fast it's exponential. So even those people in the know are no longer in the know next week. Everyone is having to learn. and okay? But the people in it are all building on a knowledge base that they have because they're immersed in it. People outside it are becoming more and more lost. And you cannot teach the substantive knowledge. that that As I said before about... Um, I think I've to you about modems and things. I remember when you downloaded software and it, or it was on a cassette and it took 40 minutes to, to put a program into your computer. And
0: sometimes it didn't even, sometimes in the last two minutes it would fail and yeah. you'd have to start now, all over now, again. what
1: would have been the point of having an education system that taught you how to put that cassette in the cassette recorder when only a short time later uh, it was coming through the internet and broadband and all the rest, you know. Whatever we say is happening now, is going to be out of date. So you can't, I mean, we talk about the metaverse all the time and and Web 3 coming. Well, we also ought to think about Web 4 and what that's going to look like and what's following the metaverse because this will, yet again, in the the years that we have left, there's going to be more than the metaverse coming because of the rate of change. And so you can't, there's not a point teaching the metaverse. You can make people aware of it, So what you have to do is give people the grounding and the skills, the self-confidence and the ability to inquire, to ask the right sort of questions, to think logically, to use what got human beings to where we are. I know we mess up on climate change and, and things, but if you have a broader picture, it's not like we messed up, and it was all over. We see it. People talk about it. People have been talking about the need for digital literacy for years. So it's not like nobody knows. So I have a lot of faith in human beings to deal with all this. But I just think the education system itself needs to build the skills, which I know that teachers already do or try to do. But it it comes as an extra because they're so busy trying to hit the, the targets and the teacher standards and everything else. I mean, just out of interest, the teacher standards do not mention digital literacy. There is no need for a teacher in this country to know anything about digital technologies. So we're technically
0: banging our heads against a brick wall in the grand scheme of things, because if teachers aren't concerned and they see it as non-statutory, then teachers are time poor. Teachers are overworked. Teachers are stressed. Teachers are constantly rewriting curriculums. I think that's what we're trying to offer with the learning materials, is it doesn't really matter what happens with government and what happens with curriculum. These stand alone, as learning materials that teach you skill sets using attainment targets that will always be there because the basics of reading and writing are always going to be there. And that's what we use to, to impart knowledge. And also, I absolutely take on your point of we need to be teaching for the future. If, say, for example, let's just say that we went to government We lobbied government to change the way in which digital literacy is taught in school. I'm not talking about changing the curriculum completely, but we come up with a solution like we have done now with the Checkpoint Learning materials to deliver digital literacy to schools, whether they want to timetable it or do it as lunchtime activities or after-school clubs or whatever, right? By the time we get all of that stuff through, it's going to be another three or four years before it's then implemented in government. By that point, digital literacy for us may have changed even though the learning materials are still valid and they still work we might be looking at it in a different way and we might have found a better way to impart that knowledge through schools. The problem is is that the government's three or four years behind so anything that comes through will change and that's great but it'll change and it'll force the teachers to do more work onto something that's become irrelevant all over again. So all of a sudden, what we're trying to do becomes a hindrance to teachers and actually it becomes something that's quite resentful. The idea that we have with our learning materials, we don't want to go to the government at the top end. We don't want to be those guys that you teachers get a message from government, go, right, we're doing digital literacy, you have to rewrite the whole curriculum. No, we want to work from the grassroots up. We want to distribute our materials. They're all available for free. We want teachers to use them. We want them to look at it, feedback to us because we believe that if teachers believe in the product, then it doesn't matter what government's going to say or do because they will have found the solution. You guys will have found the solution independent of the government that's still hitting the attainment objectives and delivering what the government want without them ever really knowing. It's a little secret for teachers in the front line because again, we know that teachers are time poor. We know that teachers, especially, Especially in management, haven't got the time to be able to to look at this. This is heads of departments, jobs, and and so there's a lot of stuff going on there. So the idea is to. I mean, we were speaking to EdTech UK uh, a couple of weeks ago about exactly this, and and the phrase that that we used was is infiltrating schools, uh, allowing schools access to this kind of material that shows them a template, an idea of how we can be delivering digital literacy, how we can be defining digital literacy, and how that can work in harmony and in conjunction with an already existing programme of study.
1: Teachers want the best for the children they teach. It is a vocation. And I think that the one thing that, that I rely on when I'm writing the materials, I'm thinking of two things. I'm thinking of the child and how... I want to keep going, their inquisitiveness, their, their enthusiasm, their interest and everything. By using video games, we are using their own cultural capital. They have an investment already in it. They can have a dialogue with a teacher and they may very well be the expert in the room. So all of a sudden their confidence is building and everything else. But then for the teacher, we have supplied the attainment targets. They're based in a subject area of the national curriculum. Therefore, they they just fit into a history lesson or a science lesson. And they cover the the attainment targets of the actual programmes of study informed by the Ofsted reviews. So these are not just me having a crazy idea like, oh, let's paint with mud on the walls. That isn't what these are about. I think when teachers see our materials they know the digital world is out there they know there's a disconnect because as i've said to you because they're in their 30s if they're teen, you know if they've got primary school children they're in their 30s they are gamers they are well aware of this technology and i think they're well aware that their children are aware of them and how far behind school is i was always asking in school How come my phone is more powerful than the computers I'm being asked to use with the kids in the room? Why is there no investment here? Which is something EdTech UK talk about, that there's no investment at all. And so we've developed lessons that doesn't need any. If you've got a smart board and a PC for the teacher, you've got everything
0: you need. Even if you have an overhead projector, yeah. you've got everything that you exactly.
1: Need. We've based it so we there is no. It doesn't matter about. There's no it.
0: barrier to entry. You yeah. don't
1: have to go along to the computer room and book yeah. the IT room to do what we're doing. Yeah. Everything is done off the smart board. Everything is is guided through. There is a lesson plan that doesn't just say like a lot of them do for like um, outreach materials and things. Just say now write a letter to the bank manager. No, how do you write a letter to the bank manager? How do you write a persuasive argument, all that? You need all those skills. So our lesson plans are written almost minute by minute. They're sort of three pages long. And a teacher can, if they would just take them, I'd rather they read them through. But you could, uh, if you trusted us, you could just go, I'll photocopy these materials, like it says, all the resources, and then I'll just teach it straight through in front of my kids and see how it goes. I don't think you even need to pre-read them because they just take you through. But they also allow constantly for the kids or for the teacher to take charge and follow an avenue. And it says, here, you could explore female characters in gaming and look at this and this and this. And we provide a tributary, if you like, or an extension extension of the root system going out. Uh, And teachers can follow that or they can see where it fits in with something they were doing the week before and suddenly start joining the dots. Because our lesson plans, while being very focused, are incredibly free. And that thing you were saying earlier on, to to wrap that up, about progress and how do you measure it and all the rest. Well, we actually put assessment sheets in there. Now, they're not tick sheets. They're not, I can use an adverbial clause, I know what the present tense is, tick. You know, these are, they say things like, and they're all in the present tense and in the first person. And then for the student to fill in and they say, I have a reasonable understanding of, and then whatever they've been looking at. I could explain what this keyword means to a friend. And they're all, and then they have just smiley faces. Yes, they can. No, they can't. And then the teacher looks at those and goes, right, so half my class would not be confident explaining what this word means. So I'll cover it again. So they're formative assessments, which are also summative in a way for the child, but they're for the child to know what they know, but they at the same time build their confidence in telling them that they do know things. Mm. Whereas when you're marking for school, just to finish this off as a, as a teacher, I mean, marking got more and more onerous as time went on. Our resources, when people look at them, they will see that along with a lesson plan goes something like five to ten resources, down to on one of them we've got y endings because we realized as we were teaching some kids may not know that Um, yeah Future can just print off three of those sheets hand them
0: out i mean and using the cultural capital of games i think allows the children to access that information it allows them to give more confidence in their vocabulary and their and their engagement with it as well and i think for any of you that are interested in checking out the materials go to checkpointkids.com there are two tabs it's a two-click website it's right there on the front page there's teacher lessons and there's home learning materials available for you but the reason that i bring this up is because even though we provide you with all the resources there is a as chris says a lesson plan. When you download it, you can have a look at the first page and it outlines everything that we're doing in it. What attainment objectives we're hitting, what subject matters we're hitting, what key stage we're going for, what the subject is and how we're going to be delivering, what it is exactly that we're going to be doing. So it is absolutely minute by minute. But look, designing digital literacy is a conversation that we are going to be having for the foreseeable future. It's something that has to change it's something that needs to and the annoying thing is is that from a curriculum basis England isn't doing as much as Scotland Wales and Northern Ireland which is something that we'll probably talk about in another podcast but the point is is that there is a movement happening here and if we do not address it deal with it we are going to be left behind and it is an educational responsibility this is something that absolutely needs to be preparing children for the future of industry automation you know AI robotics all these things are going to be based on all of this stuff and goodness knows what else is going to be based on this as you quite rightly say we can't foresee what's going to happen in in 10 or 15 years time well maybe some of us can but but we're not in that privileged position the best thing that we can do is prepare ourselves for the future so if anybody is interested in in the materials again www.checkpointkids.com or www.checkpointmagazine.com if you're interested in the wider issues of video games across politics culture society history and education the main magazine is available to download as well as a plethora of other podcasts uh, that you can explore and please by all means visit the brand and look at the wider impact of how video games are affecting our society how are they affecting our culture how they're affecting our politics and what we can learn from them but until next time chris thank you very much for your time and we hope that we've imparted some kind of knowledge for you at least some food for thought
1: brought to you by checkpoint download the lesson plans at checkpointkids.com designing digital literacy back soon